welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 to um, 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Thank you very much. Now did she do well? Yeah, what a jolly word and I asked her today. I only asked her as she came in so that's really good. So, I know it's a bit low on number. I was going to get you to do something so we're not going to do that. So, but you all look very happy which I'm very pleased about. And uh, I noticed there's certain people not here. And, uh, and I know that some of you have not been here for certain weeks. And we're actually going through uh, the life of Nehemiah. And just in case you've missed some bits or you've forgotten some bits or you think some of your mates have forgotten things and you want to recap, uh, retell them about it, I'm going to just have a quick recap and then I'm just going to charge through uh, that chapter or those verses that we read, okay, in verse, uh, chapter 8. Okay? So what's happened so far? We first meet Nehemiah living and working in Babylon as a cupbearer to the king. And uh, while he's there, he hears on the grapevine that the walls of Jerusalem still have not been rebuilt. Even though they've had over a hundred years to do it, those jolly Israelites have still not managed to get round to putting those walls back together again. And so, Nehemiah prays that God would send somebody back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah happens to be the answer to his own prayer. And so with a lot of fear and a little bit of faith, he asks the king if he can go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. The king accepts and lets him go. And so Nehemiah travels hundreds of miles back to that war-torn city. And as soon as he's there, the first thing that he does is he surveys the damage that has been done and he draws up a plan of action and he gathers around him some deflated Jerusalemites and together they start to build the walls. Danger is on every side and they experience, uh, they experience discouragement, fear, death threats and intimidation and although everything seems to be so against them God is on their side. And so, at last, they finally finish building the walls of Jerusalem. Well, actually, it says in my notes here, um, after I say the word Jerusalem, um, congregation goes wild, um, clapping hands, cheering, standing on chairs. So I'll do it again. Let's have a go. So eventually... Nehemiah and his fellow Israelites finally finished building the walls of Jerusalem! Fantastic, marvellous, fantastic. So the walls, they've been built. The enemy is now outside. They can start to think about relaxing now. But even though they'd finished building the walls, there was a sense of comradeship amongst the Israelites. And so when it came to doing their next task, they wanted to do it together. They were so excited. They just couldn't wait for the next task. And the next task was to hear the word of God. 
Ezra, they built a platform for Ezra to stand up and to read the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. And they were ready, they were excited, they'd never heard God's word before. And what was God going to say to them? What amazing blessings was he going to bestow on them? What brilliant things were they going to hear? And they're going to be so encouraged. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 8 that all of Israel came together as one man. That's how dedicated they were to each other. But boy, oh boy, how their hearts must have sank as they heard the words of the Lord. Because although they loved God, they honoured God, and they really, really worshipped Him and wanted to do their best for God. But they heard God's word, and they discovered that the way they'd been living their lives was not how God wanted them to live their lives. They had blown it. They were gutted. But Nehemiah knew otherwise. Nehemiah knew that's not the response that they should have had. You see, he went and told them to stop being downcast and to celebrate. This was a time for celebrating because he knew that like oil and water, holiness and grief don't mix. You see, when you're holy... You've got a relationship with God. And when you've got a relationship with God, that's nothing to be sad about or to be upset about. And Nehemiah knew that. Now I'm not saying, please don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying as Christians we shouldn't mourn, we shouldn't be sad. When someone dies or we hear bad news, then it's only right and proper that we grieve, that we're downcast, that we are really upset. They're proper. But what Nehemiah is saying is, because you have a relationship with God, that is no reason to grieve. I've met so many Christians, no doubt you have well as well, that go around saying, Oh, if only you knew what I've done, no wonder God could never love me. And if you knew me, you'd never love me either. But that's not the attitude we have. Okay, it's good to feel guilty. Well, it's not good to feel guilty, but it's right to feel guilty, but then do something about it. But to go around saying, oh, God could never love me because what a terrible person I am, do something about it then. Because God loves you, no matter who we are and what we've done. Nehemiah went to those Israelites and he said, look guys, cheer up, stop being a bunch of wet mardy pants. Go off and celebrate. Have a party. Go on, for goodness sake. Do you know, I was thinking about this and I thought it would be really good if we had a few more parties. Do you think we should have a few parties? Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what, because I was thinking about this, and I thought it would be a nice surprise for Heather, right? 22nd of July, that's the month we're in it. We'll come around our house, straight off to church, come around our house, bring food, drink, whatever, and we'll provide the fun. There's um, a park nearby, we can take the kids, go for walks and play some games, or we can just have talks, or we'll, we'll put some music on, we have a dance, or do, we'll just have a good get-together, yeah? Straight after church on the 22nd. Date? Yeah. Alright, tell everybody, announce it every anchorers, announce it every week, tell everybody, yeah, it'd be really good. Right, 22nd. Fantastic, marvellous. You see, in my books, there are two kinds of churches. There's those churches that are like a sack of spuds, and there's those churches that are like a sack of grapes. 
Now, you can imagine, right? You have to try and imagine this. All these potatoes, they're coming from all over the place, yeah? Every direction from their homes. And they come to this sack. They say the sack is a church, right? So they jump in the sack. And they're having a great time together. They're praising God. They're reading the word. They're celebrating. They're prophesying and speaking in tongues. They're having a whoopee time. But when it's all finished, they tip the sack up. And they're all scattered in their own directions. Back home again. The grapes are coming different directions again. Grapes jump in their sacky, churchy thing. And they're having a great time. They're prophesying, they're singing, they're praising God. They're reading the word. They're having a great time. They're doing their bit for Britain. It's fantastic. And then they tip them up and they discover that they've all merged with one another. And I think that's how, that's the sort of church we should be. Our lives merged with each other. Anyway, it's a bit messy, but it's good fun. Right. Yes, good wine. Yes, very good. Anyway, what was I? Yes. So... They had been hearing the word of God. And they were mortified. They were so upset. They so longed to live up to God's expectation, but they had failed. So they desperately, desperately wanted to carry on being as best they could, the best Jews or the best Christians that they could be, the best worshippers of God. They really wanted to be that. But it's very strange... If you cheat a bit, if you turn over a few pages of your Bible, fairly late, later on, fairly soon, they soon get a bit fed up with God. They don't get fed up with him, but they just want to cool things down a bit. They just want things just to calm down, to chill out a bit. And, well, they just want to relax, you know. And they don't seem to be bothered about looking after each other anymore. They just want to do their own thing. Isn't it funny how feelings can change so quick? And that is a big warning sign for each and every one of us because any Christian that enjoys and is quite happy living in their comfort zone is actually living in their danger zone. Right, I'm going to teach you a new word. I'm hoping I'm going to teach you a new word. Um, Some of you may know it, but I'm hoping that most of you won't. Um, It's actually my second favourite word in my known English dictionary, and the word is synergy. Okay? When I first come across this word, I actually thought it meant some sort of sin with a bit more oomph to it. But it's nothing to do with that, actually. Uh, but what it means, and if you've got a better definition than me, put your hand up. Because, uh, <clears throat> but what it actually means is when two things, it could be plants, animals, people, whatever, right? when they come together, when they bring their forces together, they create a greater force combined than they would do separately. Now that sounds a bit simplistic, so I'll just give you an example. Say, for example, there are two men. The maximum weight that each man can carry is 15 stone. Individually, that is. Okay? But when they come together, the maximum weight they'll be able to pick up is, say, 35, 40 stone. That is synergy. Now, I know what I'm about to say is obvious, and I know it's a bit of a cliche and everything else, but if we, as a church come together and combine our strengths and have the same focus, we will do so, so much more combined in less time as well. Especially if God is with us and we're doing what God wants us to do. Even before the creation of time, God worked as a team. That's why he is a triune God. That's why God loves working with you and with me. God did not create us to work on our own. 
He has called each and every one of us to be united. And, oh yeah, I've lost a bit now. He's called us to be united. A group of individuals, yes, but each of us striving and aiming for the same purpose. There is no I in team. We need to learn to love each other. We need to see each other as God sees us. And we need to become more than just friends. We need to love being together. And we need to have fun working together, doing the will of God. And not forgetting that the the joy... Not forgetting that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, Paul puts it a different way, and he's brilliant at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says he likens Christians as parts of the body, Christ's body actually. So that means that some of us are a hand, some a foot, some a kneecap. And that also means that none of us... Absolutely none of us have the right, if we're Christians committed to God, part of this church, none of us have the right to say, well, the body's doing something, I don't know what they're doing, something, and I'm just going to sit here and have a rest. Also, we cannot say things like, oh, I'm only an armpit, I'm no good for anything. Listen, and I know it's a load of puns here, but it just fits in, right? None of us are nobodies. Because all of us are somebody. We're all part of Christ's body. And again, we need to remember that none of us are so important that we don't need the rest of the body. The hand cannot say to the foot, Hey foot, I don't need you to put in this light bulb. Because who's going to stand on the chair as he's putting the light bulb in? We need each other. If we start thinking negatively like that, then... Disunity is going to start creeping into our church. And what else is going to start slithering in? Gossip. Um, criticism. Unforgiveness. And so many other things are going to be creeping in that can so easily knock down the walls of our church. Alright. I want you to imagine. You want to pick, put a picture up on your wall. Okay? So got your picture, got all your stuff you need, right, left hand picks up the nail, right hand picks up the hammer, eyes look at the nail and the hammer, yes, it's all lined up, fantastic, marvellous, yeah, we've got this all tuned up, we know what we're doing, yeah, right, then wham, missed the nail, hit the thumb, what happens next, what happens next, does the thumb jump up in the air and say, goodness me, what the heck do you two think you're doing to me, you've hurt me, you've damaged me, I need counselling for my life, I come, I've got to walk away, and that's for you brain, if we're looking at the head being Christ, you help this to happen, it's all your fault, I'm walking away from all this, it doesn't do that does it, what happens, the fact is, what happens is this, because wham, and the first thing that happens, the mouth says to the thumb, oi mate, quick get in here, <laughs> doesn't it, and once the thumb is restored, he doesn't come out and say, right you two, I can't trust you ever again, I'm never working with you. He doesn't, he just says, right, we've got something to do, we've got a task, we've got something we've got to do together, we're doing it. And so he picks up the nail, okay, the eye and the hat right hand might be a bit more cautious this time, but they carry on, they've got a job to be done, and they do it. And that is exactly the attitude that we should have. 
Now we are really, really privileged. We are. You may not think that we are, but we are, honestly. Trust me on this one. You see, we are still at the very early stages of building this church. And that is really exciting. So I'll tell you why it's exciting. All right. <laughs> I like that bit of interaction. I like that, yeah. Right. The reason why it's exciting is because it means that we've got masses, absolutely masses of work still to be done. And that is so exciting. But only if we are willing to pull together, to work together, to strive together for building up this church and getting Christ's kingdom to grow. Now, please... Don't hear me wrong. I am not saying that Christianity and church is all nice and fluffy and lovely. Okay? Sometimes it is, but it's not always. Okay? We are told that we must love one another. And sometimes, if we're to love one another, that means that sometimes we need to confront certain people. We need to go up there and discipline them. And, um, like I say, confront them for their actions. Because if we allow someone to carry on hurting other people or allow someone to keep damaging themselves through their sinful actions, then that is not love. And also, it's not wrong to be cautious of certain people. Remember that Satan comes as an angel of light and many churches have been destroyed because of wolves that come dressed in sheep's clothing. Now I'm not saying to you, whatever you do, if there's any strangers come in, ignore them, don't talk to them. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's not wrong to be cautious of certain people. But even so, we've still got to be gentle with them, be patient with them, forgiving them, and showing them love, especially Christ's love. Because if they haven't got the same sort of morals, or they're not as nice as we'd like them to be, If we're showing them Christ's love, hopefully, prayerfully, they'll accept that love and they'll change and they'll just be overwhelmed with Christ's love and they will change to to how Christ wants them to be. Now if God is with us, that does not mean there are no dangers for us. There are many dangers, but we need to remember and constantly remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. A week or so ago, Owen came up to me, and uh, I think Dave as well, and he told us of a, uh, a picture that somebody shared with him, and uh, it was for this church. And I said, whoa, don't tell anybody, because it fits in really well with what I've got to speak about today. I said, Owen, do you want to come up? Um, it's at the bottom bit, if you want to say what it is, <clears throat> all right, because uh, you know you was there, I wasn't. You can... That bit there in italics, yeah? Yeah, um... I got an email from someone I know in the town. Uh, a lady who spends a lot of time promoting prayer. She, she organised the local day of prayer afternoon Bedford, at Doncaster Heathen. Um, so uh, she said she had a picture of us um, and, and it was as follows. That you, as in fellowship, were preparing the ground. It was beautiful soil, well tended. And then she saw me leading and instructing as they worked the land, and that my stature was strong.
strong and upright. But then she saw arrows and darts being fired at our banks. But they didn't touch us. And we seemed unaware of what was happening. We just got on with the work at hand, moving ever forward, caring for the flock and the work at hand. And she went on to say, I believe the Lord was saying to you, you have a greatly blessed prayerful fellowship and are covered in prayer. However, be on your guard in the days to come. The Lord has great blessings in store for you all. But with that will come attacks from places and people you would least expect. Don't be discouraged. You will not be harmed or your fellowship. It will be the beginning of great blessings, long-awaited answered prayers. He is in control. Stand firm, protected by my armour, and rejoice, for the Lord will move in power. Now what struck me was she didn't know we were preaching through Nehemiah. And we were preaching at that time about the attacks that came against Nehemiah. And so, you know, that's... Thank you, Ari. Marvellous. So let's give God a round of applause for that, I think. He's brilliant. Marvellous. Right. See, many churches spend a lot of their time, energy and effort building their church to a good size. They have loads of people coming, or a good number of people coming to their Sunday services. Their midweek meetings are well attended and they've got various clubs and groups coming uh, set up for the week. But then it stops, the building stops, and they put all their energy and effort into in the church, making sure that everyone's happy, smiley, that they're feeling okay, and that the flowers are arranged nicely. Now, none of that is wrong or bad, but we must never, and I'm going to repeat that because it's so important, we must never stop building our church. Okay, we must never do that. We must constantly be building it, reaching out, telling people about Jesus, introducing them to Jesus and adding more and more living stones to our church. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Owen, but as far as I'm aware, we are praying for about 50 to 100 people to come and join this church. It would be nice if we got over 20 people, but if we get 50, I think we're praying for about 50 people. Is that right? Yeah, 50 people. But when we get that number, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down and say, we've done it, that's fantastic, and just hope church carries on? No, of course we're not. We're going to build a bigger church. And when we've got a bigger church, we're going to build a bigger, bigger church. And when we've got that, well, we're going to start planting churches around Doncaster, around Yorkshire, around the country, and even around the world. Jesus said, in fact he told us, to reach every nation. And I am pretty sure, the more I thought about this, that the reason why he told us to reach every nation is so that the church could have no excuse to sit down on its backside, get bored and get complacent. Because we'll always have something to aim at, always something to do, we'll always be busy. And when we're building churches, amazing things happen. We see God doing great things for the church. We see the church doing amazing things with God in the church. We see amazing things happening through the church. And it's fantastic. And that's why we can be celebrating for that. Nehemiah never ever, I'm pretty sure of this, he never dreamed that he was able to do half the things that he did do. 
But even though God was with him, even though God was helping him, I still believe that he wouldn't have done as much if he didn't have his fellow Israelites helping him. And that's the same as we. We should be. We should be there together. Always together. Always striving forward. Having the same mindset. Doing the same. Not bickering and fighting. But there going together. And remembering that God is with us. And because God's with us and loving each other. And that is why it is so, so important that we remember every day that the joy of the Lord is also our strength. And that's it. Nice, short and sweet. But I want us to celebrate God. I want us to know that the joy of the Lord is with us and he's our strength. So I want you to stand up. And I'm going to ask Eve and... Moena. Let's help me on that bit. Uh, and we're going to sing a song. It'll be good to close with the song. And it's a brilliant song in him. Because it's great and we can jump. And you love it. I love it. If you want to move these chairs to one side, that'd be great. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. 